0: Hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, I don't know how I am. That's okay. I'm in the <laughs> bedroom because the rest of my family is, of course, at home right now, hiding, <laughs> hoping that it will be quiet. But the trade-off for for locking myself in my bedroom alone is that the internet's kind of shitty back here. So hopefully, I Come won't uh, break up on you.
1: Yeah, can you hear me?
0: I can. Okay, that's
1: good. I'm using these. I couldn't find my headphones, so I'm using some old Bluetooth ones because I haven't been able to find the charger for my real headphones since I'm fucking moved. And yes. uh, anyway, so I don't know what kind of battery these these motherfuckers have on them or what kind of quality, but um... Hi, Dory. <laughs> yes! <laughs> She, sometimes when I start talking after lots of silence, she, like, gets up and looks around for, like, who's there. (laughs) Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, how are you? I, like,
0: mm, I don't feel good, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Like,
1: at all.
0: Physically, Uh, mentally, all of the above. (laughs) It's just
1: that like, yeah, yeah, it's like all of the be above, but like the physical isn't like illness, or like you know, not like when I had a cold or whatever a few weeks ago, it's just that like all of the stress of like not doing anything, mm. or like all of the things I have to do that I am trying to do and not do at the same time are like now my body's like. Look, this is what emotions feel like, <laughs> and like, yeah, this is what it feels like when, when just, yeah, I fucking,
0: yeah, I've had like random pain in like different mm. areas. Like yesterday, my shoulder started throbbing, and I was like, "What, what is this?" Like, <laughs> I had a, I mean, i you know, I don't know, yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm falling apart in every way, um, yeah, so yeah, that's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. so happy about
1: my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I hate the pandemic. I hate working in the pandemic. Like I don't enjoy anything. <laughs> and, like I just Yeah. Uh, this is such shit and I don't want to do any of it. But like anyway, this isn't this is a fucking forum response and not <laughs> in place for
0: me. To, like
1: shut okay. <laughs> off about my life. I just anyway. Sorry. Uh okay, mo- monsters. That's what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> I was like, Liz, let's focus on monsters. Oh, sorry. I'm bossy <laughs> as fuck right now, apparently.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um what do you mean you're bossy? Oh, like in the readings that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. No, I knew that you when I saw those, I was like, oh, those are the two that we're gonna that we're gonna be doing. Yeah. Um also just so it's spoken here and forever uh forever immortalized that seems redundant but happy birthday clint yes wherever you are in the universe
0: it is my partner's birthday today so um i'm taking him out for a steak later because that's what he enjoys (laughs) meat (laughs) a full list of his enjoyments i'm just joking No, he's pretty great. He's pretty great. I like him a lot. He's nicer than I am, and he makes me a little bit nicer, I think, so.
1: (laughs) I don't know. He wasn't very nice in that game of spades.
0: That's true. He's super competitive, so. uh, Yeah, me too. It was. (laughs) Beth, and I had We played spades on Saturday, and Liz and I, had you played before? Because I hadn't. No,
1: I had never played before.
0: So Liz and I were learning, and... Clint was sort of teaching us and liz's partner yeah. i think had played before so he was also teaching us a little bit but my mm-hmm. husband gets super competitive it's okay because i am also super competitive so we're just like yeah. competitive with each other um but he got into it and yeah i was just, yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> well and we were paired with each other's partners and so it yeah. was just like a it was a anyway it does that. This has nothing to do with the ring. But I told
0: him when nah. you left, I was like, I don't really like it when you're not on my team because you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I that's it's just
1: like I hate the way that Matthew trash talks me like I just. <laughs> uh, and it's not fair because I'm also competitive. And if I would like I would, I don't know, but I just really can't take it when he's <laughs> shitty. Anyway, anyway.
0: <laughs> we had a lot of a lot of fun.
1: um yeah so uh so monsters where do you i feel like this is your it's your podcast this week you know like where what are you (laughs) Uh, no pressure
0: um (laughs) sorry (laughs) i was just really excited that there were these readings on the on the schedule um probably everyone now is like shut the fuck up Brittany. we all know you like monsters but i do i really like monsters i like thinking about Mm. them I like thinking about um, how we react to them and their importance or significance in culture and stuff like that. So I was really excited about it. Um, and I get to teach a monster class in the fall. So yay. I'm so excited for you to experience 271. I'm excited too. I wish I was doing it in person, but I'm, I'm going to spend time over the summer thinking of better ways to bring our bodies, I guess, into the classroom. This semester has been so frustrating for me because mm. none of my students turn their cameras on in class and yeah. I I have this ethical I have this ethical underpinning that I've used the whole pandemic where it's like I'm not gonna make my students do that because I don't know what situations they're in and it feels unnecessarily invasive sometimes if they're not in and a I space. hate
1: doing it I hate it when my fucking teachers make me yeah. turn the camera Occasion- on yeah. and
0: occasionally I, occasionally I get so overwhelmed by looking at my stupid face that mm-hmm. I have to turn it off even if it, it's not the whole class usually but every once in a while when I'm a student in class I have to turn it off for a few minutes and I get that um, in the fall my students would frequently go back and forth which was fine with me this semester, yeah. like, nobody has had their fucking cameras on mm-hmm. in regular class. It's just me, my face on the Zoom screen talking. And it's just been a complete, I I feel like it's been a complete disaster. So I have to figure out ways to do, to have a better classroom environment in the fall. Because I have to teach about monsters online. And I'm super excited about it. And I want it to be a good class. So I have to think That's more about, movie. over the summer, about ways to ha- to do better than this I have done this semester because it's been rough like really really fucking rough <laughs> yeah I have like no. demoralizingly rough
1: <laughs> I saw one of my students for the first time today in class and I was like oh my god someone has their camera on but I'm pretty sure he was I told you this, I'm pretty sure he was at a party in class. That and is I was wild. like, I wish you would turn your camera off so that like I, I know you didn't have to like be ignoring what uh, was happening. That's <laughs> like, wild.
0: That's so also wild. that class is at nine AM. Like go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be young again. <laughs> anyway, um so um yeah. yeah we had the reading from um Georges kang kangolin i don't know he's french i mangle the french language so um it was the <laughs> older text i think he, it was in the 60s so he's kind of talking about mm. i guess like a, it's it's a more of like a historical overview of how monsters and monstrosity and the monstrous have been kind of um conceived of and um talked about and imagined, so um I appreciated that because I appreciate all things monster, so um, it's a little dry, I think, but I still liked it just because I like monsters, but and then we had the um Marker okay, right? Wallet's well, okay, yeah, oh, can I just ask you questions then? please like, do. please okay. do. so he says that the
1: that the monster must be an organic being
0: yeah i glad you brought that up because i wonder because i mean obviously he's taught he's writing this in the 60s yeah. um and i it's not that there weren't you know technological um advancements happening then but i don't know <laughs> that someone in the 60s yeah. could have conceived the way that we interact yeah. and interface with technology then So that was a question I wanted to pose in general. Do we still think that monsters are, you know, organic? Because there's also this, this thing about their hybridity, right? So Mm -hmm. isn't it possible that we could also now conceive monsters as like hybrids between humans and non-human or not even human and non-human because that's always been true if we're thinking of animals and stuff, but like humans and um, AI or technology this kind of brings up like some of the stuff, I, the reading I've done in posthumanism, humanism mm-hmm. which thinks some of the, some, some of the thinking is, you know, um, humans being like extra or more than human, right? Because of all the different, um, you know, like there's, I mean, on just on a very basic level, pacemakers and um, mm-hmm. stuff like that, which aren't, you know, they're in your human body, but they're not human and they're helping your human body uh, keep, yeah. keep living, I suppose, whatever. I can't also speak very well today, so okay. or ever, or ever. That's why I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so I can write instead of speak to you. Hmm. Um. So I think I would challenge that that the monster has to be organic. Maybe we want to see yeah. there should be something organic about it. If it's just a pure technology that that doesn't feel as monstrous, but but I don't think it sh- I don't I don't feel like it's he says the qualification of monster must be reserved for organic beings. I'm not sure. I don't think I agree with that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, how do you, I mean, how did you respond? I think overall, because I just like, I don't know. You know me. I have a real issue with people saying, like, this is something. And I'm like, well, fucking is it? Like, what do you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And so I just, that's kind of what he's doing this whole time. Right. Is like, it is this, it is not this yeah and what do you what how does that because also I just am like I know that this is like something that you're interested in but I don't ne- necessarily know like what kind of foundations you stand or like how you even really came into this mm. um you know what I mean is that my consent?
0: yeah I can't remember where my fascination started either exactly but um I've done readings for various classes so, like, I think it, I think it overlaps with a lot of things I'm interested in. So, first of all, I'm interested in narrative. Um, so, thinking about the way the monstrous operates in terms of stories is very interesting to me. Um, yeah. I'm obviously interested in posthumanism. So, yeah, I mean, boundary. I'm, I'm sorry, monsters to me um, are all about um, boundaries and transgressing boundaries, and I'm definitely yeah, always sh- interested in that. In terms of either posthumanism, queer theory, um, mm-hmm. you know, various other thing, uh, other things, I just find it kind of fascinating. And then even like at a historical and cultural level, I like thinking about because monsters are all about culture. Like, you can't construct a monster; it, it's tied to a specific culture. There's not, like, I don't think, there's such a thing as yeah. just a monster that exists out there. Um, Mm -hmm. you know like fully formed it was it was constructed because of whatever culture it's coming out of Um, Mm -hmm. so I always find that really fascinating to think about too and like we're so fascinated by monsters in general Um, so I'm also interested in pop culture so I'm interested in the ways that monsters exist in um, pop culture pop culture narratives Um, I like to think about adaptations so I'm really interested in the ways Monsters are adapted, even as the cultural background and context changes, which is kind of what I want to do for the class in teaching. So I want us to look at like an original. So we'll look at, um, you know, the monster, Grendel and Beowulf. And then I want to read a modern adaptation. So even though, even though a lot of context has changed, how do we so how does the monster change if we're kind of reinvoking it in a different context? So I don't know, I just always find that stuff really interesting. Yeah. And one of the things so, so I loved, I, I'm sorry, one of the things I mm-hmm. loved is no. that, you know, monsters I think I think we often I think we we intuitively understand that monsters are sort of like projections of anxieties mm-hmm. and fears um and you know, transgression of boundaries and stuff, but I really liked I think it was the Schildrick article yeah. where she points out that it's also about desire. Um which is I think the reason that monsters um have not been like you know, like a passing interest for me. Because it's what it, it's mm-hmm. one thing if it's just, oh we're this is what we're afraid of. I mean that's cool and everything, but it's also like about what we desire. So I think that's what kind of brings me back to to monsters again and again. Yeah. Um
1: yeah, I just was gonna say that like as you're talking about it, I feel like you probably connected more with the Shildrick piece. Um, yeah, I
0: really appreciated it. Um I did like I did like in the older piece some of the ways Can Gul him,
1: him can him.
0: Can, can, yeah, I you know I took French. I took French for two <laughs> fucking years in college and I this is why I didn't take any more of it because I'm, I'm shitty at it. So I did really like um, the way he kind of talked about the shift in the ways we understood monster between Middle Ages mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then more modern things. But yeah, I think the Shildrick piece was the one I was like, yes. Um, because she brings up so much of the uh, I really appreciated that she talks about the kind of dangers and um, problems with, um, with monsters and with, with viewing monsters and monstrous images. Um, she brought up, you know, disability and race, which, you know, um, <clears throat> have been used to create monsters out of other people mm-hmm. um, in really awful and problematic ways throughout history. Um, there was a lot. Yeah. So article, I thought, so Yeah. I really liked it
1: well while you were talking I was thinking because you said that you know that you've just always kind of been fascinated um with monsters and I feel like that 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 she's trying to problematize our fascination and so like how I don't know how do you see yourself ethically engaging uh like with this and then also like Guiding your students through like an ethical engagement with monsters,
0: yeah, so I think that probably when i when I really got hooked on monsters was um one of my best friends growing up, her dad was a big reader, and at yeah. some point we must have covered Beowulf in like middle school like little parts of it or something. I can't remember when uh-huh. um and he gave me the novel Grindel by John Gardner, so Grindel is from the monster's point of view. And that's really trendy yeah. now. Um, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. where we look at things through the monster's point of view. But at the time I didn't because yeah. I'm old, I didn't see a lot of that. It's the first <laughs> time and it kind of blew my mind. And it was also like yeah. weirdly like like I probably shouldn't have been reading it at the age I was reading it. Um, but it was like gnarly and kinda ugly, um, but like mm-hmm. super compelling. So for me, part of the the ethical use or engagement or s- study of monsters has to do with picking apart and seeing like why the why of it mm. because if you can pick apart mm-hmm. the why of it you can kind of see the ways that monsters um, are have been used and are continu- continually used to other you know people based on disability or race or gender or whatever mm-hmm. um, and if you you if you can pick it apart then it loses some of its power um, or at least gives you yeah. a way to hopefully constructively talk about it um and so then as a writer if you want to to write monsters then I think it's really important to kind of interrogate like Sheldrick says you know um the why um what are you getting out of this what are you trying to get out of it um what are you trying to say with it um and then also I I just like it's not new for people to sympathize with the monster obviously um, mm-hmm. so I guess to me that just speaks to some like real desire I suppose um, or also like this feeling that even even if we do fit most of the categories that we would consider normative right there's something mm-hmm. in all of us that is like I don't know if I quite fit um, and I think that is one of the reasons that we are so fascinated and drawn to monsters
1: yeah i mean i feel like every week that's what i was thinking a lot about as i was reading this piece because i mean to be honest it it's some of this language is over my head um, oh me too yeah <laughs> but but i was thinking a lot of just about how every week we keep coming back to or not every week but a lot of weeks we keep coming back to like these parts of the body or the bodies that we like try to deny and destroy Mm -hmm. um and and how I don't know like monstrosity is just an articulation of those those facets I guess that you know yeah um, and I
0: mean you're right like you just brought to mind we're in a a class about embodiment right um and I guess maybe one of the one of the reasons, I guess, this this guy, the French guy, was like, you know, monsters are organic, is that it generally has something they they, they always has something to do with the body, and I but I think mm-hmm. it's because so many of our fears and desires are rooted in in our own bodies, um, yeah. So that's I like I don't I don't know that I agree that it necessarily has to be that way anymore, but um, right. I I guess an element of the organic um, is is probably important because. I think a monster is powerful because we can see e- like little bits of pieces of ourselves in a monster. Um, or parts of ourselves that mm-hmm. don't feel like they fit into the normative, um, cultural, you know, can't forgive the word yeah. I'm looking for, but. Um, Framework? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of those F words. Yeah. Um. You're so interesting, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like I'm like dually thinking about the this, but then also the eventual uh like the teaching literacies interview that I'd like to do with you, oh, yeah, uh, because this is the kind of stuff I want to talk about. Um, I also was kind of um struggling with this like uh. Sorry, I'm kind of scrolling through the article right now, which is super I'm sure enjoyable for those who are listening. (laughs) Um, But it's like towards the end when we start, when she starts talking about this process of becoming um, and yeah. So I just wanted to like I've been thinking about, okay, so (laughs) this week in um you know, my biography class, we had to watch the stories we tell, um, which is essentially, it's like a docu memoir about this woman's life. But really, it's a it's about trying to depict like kind of who her mother was, and the mother has died, like through the stories of all of these different people, like all of her siblings, um, you know, the various spouses, the the extra whatever family and it's just that like um like the truth is so subjective and co-constituted that like everyone is creating a different image of this woman Uh and and each of them are are equally true and it's only like when we try to like laminate it into like this specific cohesive narrative truth um that it becomes like problematic and so that i'm trying to connect that to this like ever-shifting process of becoming because it's just like how else do I understand like because you know I'm on board when we're saying that it's like a performative like fluid dynamic process that's ever-changing and and can't be specifically located but then I'm also like well then how do I understand <laughs> like you know how do I trace this process of becoming if not to say that it is at some points Or to put it, I guess, through that process of lamination and, like, and be, like, this is what is happening. Uh, I don't know if this is making a lot of sense, but... uh, I guess,
0: I guess, do you feel, like, do you feel, like, becoming is ever done? Like, is there a finish point?
1: No, um, but I also, like, I don't... So, like, no capital T truth, right? But then, like, if I think about life narrative engagements or enactments like those most often right are are tracing like processes of becoming or or I guess pieces of becoming and there is they're true for whoever you know is laying that out yeah (laughs) I don't know if this is making sense that's what I'm trying to understand right is like how does my how does life narrative fit into this becoming that can never be known
0: yeah. I think what I like about the monstrous and and this idea from Shildrick about, you know, the becoming the monster or whatever um is that um I just feel like the monstrous is this invitation to to go beyond like what's expected of you. Like I mean, it's about mm. excess. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a spilling over of yeah. categories and boundaries. Mm-hmm. And this might be where my, my interest in queer theory most connects. You know what I mean? In this. Um, uh, there's a, let me see if I can find it. There's a line in Shodrick, uh Oh, it's on page 173. She says, can we see the seductiveness of the monstrous as an invitation to other worlds? Um, and it reminds me a lot of, um, the queer theorist Munoz and his idea that like queerness is always on the horizon. It's like, you never get there. It's about the, the kind of the hope and the, the idea of this utopia that, um, you're not necessarily going to arrive at, um, but you're kind of always in the process of trying to create, I suppose, Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I kind of think about it in the same way Um, you know because the monster would be non-normative so if we can find all the non-normative pieces of ourselves and embrace them and try to create worlds where that's not necessarily monstrous it's just the way everything is I think it has the same feel to me and I think that's why we so enjoy narratives where we're um, in the monster's point of view or where we're rooting for the monster Um, yeah I don't know if that makes any sense
1: yeah I think it kind of does like I just I think we're um, I think I'm like I don't know I'm struggling with a lot of things as usual but like I'm like, how do I locate the monster? <laughs> you know? And, like, and maybe this is just me, like, my anxiety overflowing over, like, the the ethical considerations of, of, like, life narrative just in that, like, also because I was thinking a lot about visibility, um, mm-hmm. and kind of that Dark Shimmers piece that we had read, right? Yes. And so, like, in trying to locate, like the mo- to use narrative to locate uh, the monster, oh, I just don't know how to protect it. <laughs> protect it and myself. And you know, like I, I mean, I guess I'm just coming back to that ethical question. But I just, how I don't know how if if it's always shifting. How do I locate it, and why? How do I locate it ethically, and why would I? Like, what are my motivations? I mean, I guess it's just that that's a case-by-case question, you know, to evaluate why we're desiring to locate the monster. Um, I think I think I at know, the, at, toward the
0: end of the shildrick piece, she starts talking about um, assemblages, you know, the delusing guitar, yeah. um, which I think is one possible answer to this. Because um, there's something, I guess there's something disruptive about monstrous which can be maybe mm-hmm. transformative right or productive in some way um even if it's just how you see yourself in relation to um your culture perhaps but um here's a on page 174 she says becoming a monster then pushes us away from self-definition not to the emergence of a new individual but to forms of concorporeality sorry in which self and others are no longer distinct so I think it's also I think the way she's using it it's also not just about yourself um it's see it's it's ways of seeing your connection to other differences and other people's as well, and thinking you know mm. so I think and I don't fully understand this um uh, it's still something i'm I'm thinking through, yeah, but I think it has something to do with this idea of assemblage and um and somehow even though even even though it it's it was difficult for me to think about this because it seems like the monstrous and like the non-monstrous is a binary but i think what they're talking about here is is using the monstrous to break up this sort of binary and i mean i guess they do if you think of hybridization you know it's it's not human human, animal anymore with the minotaur right it's both it's an assemblage of human and animal Mm -hmm. um
1: yeah. So, like that, the monster makes the boundaries of difference permeable. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Or it is the entry point or gateway, maybe between boundaries of difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're so smart. Mm, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. Um. I. I've. I i do not know who I've talked to this about before, but, you know. Um. I grew up in West Virginia, so Appalachia, and. Um there were not a lot of examples of queer people. So for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had a girlfriend in middle school that I didn't even know I to call a girlfriend because I didn't even know that was a thing people did. Right. Um. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, but in West Virginia, the big monster is Mothman. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you all know Mothman. They need a <laughs> Richard Gere movie. Oh, I've it. never, I've never heard of this. Well, Liz before. has because I keep talking about it, and she has since bought me the most excellent Mothman sweatshirt ever. I was wearing <laughs> it last night, actually. Anyway, um, so yes, we'll pretend like you haven't heard me talk about Mothman before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I bring it up because, first of all, I find local cryptids just fucking fascinating. There are some really bizarre mm-hmm. and weird ones, and I love it. In, West, in, in Pennsylvania, which borders West Virginia, there's something called the squonk, which apparently, like, the whole thing is it's so ugly that it just goes around crying all the time, and if you see it, mm-hmm. and it knows that you are looking at it, it dissolves into a literal pile of tears. Where the fuck mm. does that come from? <laughs> that anyway, but in West Virginia, it's very distressing, but, you know, relatable. Um... So in -hmm. West Virginia, Mothman is the big cryptid. Um, In the 60s, um, there was, uh, you know, these two couples um, late at night on a date pursued by the Mothman, this giant flying creature. And then um, it was it was tied into in Point Pleasant where the sighting happened. There was a bridge collapse. Um, It killed a bunch of people. And so Mothman grew and oh, Mothman was trying to warn everyone about the bridge. Anyway, it's this huge thing. But I bring it up because um, now, as an adult, um, I can log on to Instagram, and um, for a long time, the the Instagram account and media thing that I followed was called Queer Appalachia. That's problematic now because they're problematic, unfortunately. But I'm bringing it up because Mothman mm. is like a queer like hero. I, I can't. I don't. I can't mm-hmm. explain to you. Well, I can kind of explain my theory on it. So there are all kinds of Mothman memes you know, with Mothman um, wearing jean shorts and holding dildos and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, advocating for mutual aid and um, just various, you know, queer queer things going on with it. And I just, I feel like there's a connection between feeling um, monstrous as a queer person in a rural conservative area and this kind of latching on to you know the 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 actual figure of a monster um and i i feel like that's why it resonates so much for queer people um from that area so that's my fun little plug for mothman <laughs> 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 look him up he's cool okay <laughs>
1: I wonder if I could put, like, an image of Mothman on this episode. That's probably too much effort. I don't, I'm not that invested. That's but.
0: great. I have this um great bumper sticker that I don't want to put on my car because I don't want it to go bad. But, you know, those memes of, like, Jesus tracks in the sand where there's, like, two and then there's <laughs> one and it's, like, that was when Jesus carried you or something? Yeah, when he I carried you. I have one that yeah. says it was then that Mothman carried you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. That's adorable. Um, well, anyway,
0: I... Uh, oh, this got long. I'm sorry, guys.
1: No, it's okay. I My phone's across the room, so I haven't
0: really been keeping an eye on it.
1: But um, uh, I think that this was good, but I also do need now to read Are You My Mother before I go into uh, my class tonight. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. But uh, I feel good about things that you said. <laughs> really,
0: I feel kind of like a dick, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I mean, what did I contribute? Nothing. <laughs> but um, anyway, thanks for listening, friends. Bernie, did you have anything else that you're like? I have to say this. Nope.
0: Nope. Okay. Okay. Mothman forever. Cool. Yeah. Long live the mothman. The, folky- the folk hero <laughs> we all need. <laughs> <sighs> okay bye bye, bye thank you